0: This episode is dedicated to Maikuya, John Paul, Moresca and Nahe. May the force be with you.
1: Welcome to the Filipino American Women Project, a podcast show that shares stories and life lessons told by individuals living or have lived in America that are of Filipino descent and identify as female. I'm your host, Jen Amos, a fellow Filipino-American woman, and I'm excited for you to join us. Let's get started. everyone jen amos here your host for the filipino american woman project and i am excited because i have my co-host on here again nani dominguez nani welcome to the show once again thank you hello everyone yes and why don't you tell people just if, if they didn't hear you in the last episode which i believe was episode five now correction that was actually episode six with Rhea Predakin is when we first met our co-host, Nani Dominguez. Okay, let's jump right back in. Why don't you go ahead and briefly introduce yourself and why you've decided to co-host the show with me? Yeah, sure.
2: I'm Nani, and I found Jen on Instagram through this podcast and page, the Filipino American Woman Project. And I had just reached out to her looking to make a connection. And I'm here to just kind of offer a different perspective from someone who is still exploring my identity, my heritage. And um, again, it's just looking to connect with other people, share more stories, more experiences, and build this kind of online community that we are creating.
1: Yes. And I am so grateful to have you because I can only talk so much. So it's great to have (laughs) another person who can ask other questions and make comments because I I can only come up with so many things. So thank you so much for joining me, Nani. Uh, with yeah, that said, to be here. yes, yeah, thank you. Uh, with that said, I am also really excited to be in. Introducing our guest today, we have Angelica Moresca Nahe and I want to tell you a little bit about her. She is a writer, she's been involved with Raise Panay, which my uh, sister actually ran the production just recently. We'll get into that later. And she is a dutiful daughter. Also, Angelica is a second generation Filipina American with Vigalano Roots. She's the creator of Get Lit Philam, a website that features surveys and works by and about people of Filipino descent. She's a feature educator in Filipino American literature. She is a hopeful author of a memoir about being a Maria Clara archetype, which I'm really excited to talk to you about, by the way, a YA novel about teen Filipinos suburbanites and an epic series among other works in progress that remain hidden from sight. Angelica, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you for having me. And I'm so excited to talk to both of you. Yes,
1: we are so happy to have you. And
0: why don't you start by sharing
1: with us how you heard about the Filipino American Woman Project and why you decided to share your story?
0: Yes. Yeah, so I heard about the Filipino American Woman Project through Instagram. I was following different accounts through um, my Get Let Filam social media page. And I came across the Filipino American Woman Project. And all I saw were, I think, like quotes with a yellow background. I was like, well, what is this about? So then I kind of did some Facebook sleuthing and found your page and saw you had interviews with other Filipino-American women and thought, okay, maybe I could like get into this. Like I thought it was kind of interesting. Like I think in another episode uh, for this season, you said how a lot of Filipino women... Uh, when they wanted to do the interviews, they weren't really sure if they had anything good to say, like their lives are kind of ordinary. But like, personally, I think it's important to tell our stories no matter how boring or whatever, because you know, we need more stories, like our stories out there. We're the authors of our own narratives. That's like my true belief in my course as a writer. I
1: absolutely agree with you. I think it's so important to just normalize having these kind of conversations. One thing I have found in the past, uh, by the way, thank you for stalking the Filipino American woman on social media (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and, uh, listening to the past episodes and stuff like that. And I'm glad that my previous marketing for this podcast was working and you found me on social media. So (laughs) yay. (laughs) Uh, But I completely agree. Uh, When this project started back in December, 2016, I couldn't find A lot of stories about us, or it wasn't easily accessible. And I just thought, when when something is missing, I think, and we see it and we identify it, I think it's our duty to do something about it. You know, Mm -hmm. we cannot wait on someone else to be the change. We have to be the change that we want to see. And um, you know, those that saying like, whenever there's a a void, like it's your responsibility to to fill it because you know everyone has a purpose in this world, um, whether they know it or not. And so I, yeah, I think storytelling is extremely important. Uh, part of my own upbringing, my family is very, very humble and they are focused on, they, they've always focused on just providing for the family and making sure that we were well taken care of. And and so storytelling was not a big thing in my upbringing. It just wasn't, it just wasn't like part of our family culture. And so I grew up, I naturally grew up as, as this really curious woman. And then in my early 20s, that's when I started to explore uh, my Filipino culture and roots and and stuff like that. And now I just now seeing some uh, some of my other peers, some of our other Filipino sisters and um, seeing how, you know, a good number of us uh, feel feel lost. I re- I feel like if we can if we can inject more women with stories, not literally, figuratively. If we can put more <laughs> stories out there, it'll uh, we'll start to see ourselves in those stories and start to fill in you know fill in those blanks in our lives and that confusion and and be able to craft a story of our own. So I, I love what you said and and I and I completely agree with you on that. Uh, Nani, did you is there anything you wanted to add?
2: Yeah, I absolutely agree with everything that you guys said as well. And I love, Angelica, what you said about the importance of sharing your story, no matter how boring or bland that you might think it is. Mm -hmm. I think that that's the purpose of this project, Jen. Correct me if I'm wrong. Just like both of you guys said, there's not a lot of literature out there on the Filipino American experience, and Mm -hmm. that's what we're here to create. And so if we don't share our stories, then (laughs) we'll continue living like we've been living and there will be nothing for the
1: generations that come after us to look at either. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yes, absolutely. So if anyone is hearing this, if we haven't uh, harped on it enough, your story matters and we would love (laughs) to hear from you. No pressure. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, no pressure.
1: <laughs> no pressure. But hopefully hopefully, you feel drawn to at least the stories that we're sharing on, on the show. And even if you just are a follower or a listener, then I, I think that's a first big step to uh, filling in those gaps in your life and finding purpose and meaning in your own life. All right. So, with that said, I would love to learn a little bit more about you, Angelica. Why don't we talk about your background actually and why you identify as a Filipino-American woman today?
0: Yeah. So, I was born, raised and I still live in New York. For my family, my both my parents come from the Bicol region, which is where if you know Mount Mayon volcano, that's where it is basically. Mm -hmm. And so my mom, she's from Kamalik Albay, and my dad is from Sorsogon City, Sorsogon. And I have an older brother, his name is John Paul, and he was born and raised in Daraga Albay. Mm -hmm. Um, So my mom, like around 1984, I think, she uh, moved to the States, because she's a registered nurse, and she specializes in neonatal care. Mm -hmm. And the reason why my family even decided to come to the u s was because my brother, he was when he was born, they discovered that he was born with multiple heart defects, and that required special special surgery. but it couldn't be done in the Philippines, like not even in Manila. So my parents made the decision to you know move to a different country just so that he could get the surgery. So, yeah, so my mom opted for the U.S. and she came to New York by herself and lived here for two years. Uh, She first worked in Metropolitan Hospital in Manhattan. And then two years later, she was able to petition for my dad and my brother to come join her in the States. And so, you know, they were granted access and they came here and they lived in Forest Hills, Queens. For like until 1995. So I was born in 93 in the Children's Hospital in Manhattan. So I only got to live in Queens for two years. And then in 1995, we all moved, uh, quote unquote, upstate. But Mm -hmm. basically, like, we're close to New Jersey, but Mm -hmm. everyone in the city calls it upstate, but whatever. So we moved to Rockland County, and that's where we've lived ever since.
1: Wow. Well, first of all, my my brother's name is also John Paul, by the way.
0: After Paul. <laughs> oh. nice. Yeah,
1: and my sister uh, Josephine Amos was also born in 1993. So that hmm. that is crazy, 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 crazy. <laughs> I just started uh, visiting New York because because of my sister. Yeah, uh, she moved there about two years ago. So I, I believe, do you know my sister? I feel like, I feel yeah, like I, I met
0: that. her three times through the the third generation of Raised Pinai and mm-hmm. like, okay, can I, can I like gush about her a little bit?
1: Like, please, I, <laughs> yes, anything about my sister, yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like she did such a phenomenal job producing Raised Pinai for the, the third iteration, mm-hmm. like, you know, being I I don't have any experience as a producer, but I can imagine it's so stressful of a job that okay. and somehow she just did all this. And of course, there was help from JL, Rochelle and Justine, who are the creators of Race Pinai. But for Josephine to handle that huge responsibility and to see the third iteration succeed as it did. It's like I'm so proud of her. Like that's that's all I gotta say. Oh. She did such a great job.
1: That makes me so happy. I I feel like uh, I'm just very proud as an older sister. And we, you know, my my mom flew all the way from uh, California, yeah. and uh, we road trip together to see my sister. And um, she has a she had a piece in that play. And the moment the moment it was her piece, I started gushing. I was like, <laughs> oh <my laughs> God. and I'm just so I'm so proud of her. And I it's just it's one thing for me to be proud of her. I'm obviously very biased because I'm her sister, <laughs> but it's so it's so awesome and affirming, you know, to hear it from other people as well and how she has impacted people. So I'm just so proud of her and I'm it's so great that you two know each other. And I, you know, I look forward to seeing what Ray's Panay uh, has for the future. I, I actually am hoping to interview uh, the ladies, J.L. and and Justine and Rochelle. And I, I'm just excited to, you know, see if there's anything we could potentially do with each other. So, ladies, if you're listening to this, I'm calling you out. You're going to be on the show before you know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, well, thank you for sharing about your family background. Uh, let's go ahead and fast forward to what life looks like for you today.
0: Hmm. It's it's always busy currently. So I still live at home with my parents and they're both technically retired. My mom, she, she still works, but as a pro diem. So she kind of works like about six times a month. Because you know she enjoys um, taking care of babies. Like that's mm-hmm. been her work for thirty years.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And my dad, he is officially retired since twenty seventeen, I think. But he was diagnosed with dementia last summer, and wow. so for most of my time, I spend taking care of him along with my mom. We're always busy, like making doctors' appointments and running errands, doing chores, and making sure that my dad is okay, like there's no falls or anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you know anything about dementia, it does affect the brain. So he he actually had a stroke uh, two years ago, and I think he had two more strokes, and it kind of led to the diagnosis of dementia. Wow. So it's like um it's kind of like doing any kind of basic tasks like eating or walking or you know the things that we mostly take for granted um it gets affected in the brain with that condition so it's something that my mom and i have to take care of on a daily basis
1: wow i uh i applaud you for for doing that not to sound like a, a social media stalker or anything, but I totally was. Mm-hmm. I read <laughs> I read your most uh, recent blog entry on your website, and you had mentioned mm-hmm. that you recently uh, quit your part- time job so you can help out the family more. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, I, I really needed to do that. because um, I felt like I wasn't being present at home as much as I should slash wanted to. and you know the job I was working at was very draining physically emotionally and mentally that I couldn't do any help with my parents so it's like I might as well quit because my energy needs to be focused on family rather than you know making minimum wage
1: Mm -hmm. now were you did you choose to do that job because you just wanted to try to like make something of yourself or like was it a distraction I'm just I'm just curious to know like why you decided to do that and then now you've decided to you know leave so you can take Care of your family?
0: I think it was both. Like, yeah, I, I wanted to learn how to at least earn money, but also I felt like, you know, being a caregiver, it's very exhausting. It was like, I kind of just need something to like keep something else to keep my mind busy so that I don't constantly think so much about the, the situation because it, it takes so much of your time and energy and a lot of emotional labor as well. Mm-hmm. so I guess like working a part-time job was my way of focusing on other aspects that I could be more useful and it was pretty good at first but then it kind of went downhill in a way yeah I don't know if I can say much about it but if you ever worked retail you can understand like how it's retail <laughs> <I think> that's the thing that's like. um but you know I think I gained a lot of skills working in my experience, like being able to interact with strangers or time management, multitasking and all those things. So there was some good that came out of it, at least. Yeah, um, but I definitely, definitely need to be home more and apply those skills.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, if you have the support of your family to support your family, mm-hmm. then why not? You know, I I totally understand that. And I, I mean, I can only I can only um Uh, empathize and feel for you and applaud you for making that sacrifice to be there for your family when you could be going out there and and building your own career and and really you know making making something of yourself you know and so i i just want to highly 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 acknowledge and applaud you for what you're doing for your family
0: thanks so much
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Nani, is there anything you want to add? I hear you're saying yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that's really honorable. And like Jen said, if you can, if you have the support to be able to support your family, I know how difficult that can be, you know, trying to manage both a professional life and supporting people at home. My mom had an accident a couple of years ago where she was, the whole left side of her body basically didn't work Mm -hmm. for a long time. And so it was really hard for me to juggle a full-time job as well as, you know, helping her do Mm -hmm. things that you, like you said, Angelica, take for granted, like eating or, you know, walking outside to get the mail or whatever it is, just Mm -hmm. simple tasks that you take for granted when you're healthy. And then... (laughs) something happens and all of a sudden your whole circumstance changes so yeah yeah I commend you for doing that for your family that's that's amazing Mm
1: -hmm.
2: they're lucky to have you Mm -hmm.
1: yeah I think it's uh it's it's stories like this where you know someone such as myself who is fully abled I I mean I I recently had finished physical therapy because I was having this hip problem, but it was fixed, you know, and, and there's some people who they really need someone else's help to just get out of bed. It, it definitely gets you to look at your own life and be like, you know, like, at least I can get up, at least I can take myself out for a walk, I can serve myself food, I can drive. And, yeah, uh, and so, mm-hmm. yeah, so you really, you really get to, at least for me, it, it's a good, it's a good reminder. <laughs> to Yeah, it puts things in perspective. Yeah. And I also want to add, it makes me think about my own mom because there was a time. So my mom uh, was a widow when my siblings and I uh, were. There's three of us, including including my sister Josephine. We were all under 11 years old when we lost my dad. And I remember there was a time where my mom. She was the she was the breadwinner of the house. Uh, We had both of our grandparents, or her 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 parents, my grandparents, living in our house, and she basically had like five other people that she needed to provide for. And back in the day, my number one complaint with her was that she was emotionally unavailable for me, uh, because she was just focusing on on working and working and providing, you know, looking back, I I realized how selfish I was (laughs) for, for wanting, wanting that from her, but now understand and appreciate, you know, the sacrifice she did, like having to carry, like having to, you know, take care of five, uh, individuals uh, in and in, in sustain a household. And, uh, and so anyone, anyone that is taking care of other people, I just have to commend them, because it's such a commit. what you know, whether you choose, like, you're taking care of your parents, my mom was taking care of like her, her parents and, and us, or just any anything where you or even being a mother, it's it's just such a, it's such a full time, if not, you know, double duty <laughs> type yeah. of job and yeah. i think it's very easy to lose yourself in that and so with that said i you know early on in this conversation we were talking about the the maria clara archetype mm-hmm. and I learned a little bit about it through through another friend that we'll, we will interview on the show later. Uh, she she's uh, her name's Stacy, so shout out to Stacy Salinas. She's a PhD student in history right now, and she's focused on uh, the Filipino uh, American experience uh, in her Asian studies uh, courses and stuff like that. And awesome. and she had mentioned she actually wrote one of, one of her class assignments was to to write a paper about like something. Uh, related to the Filipino culture. And she actually wrote one of her pieces about the Filipino American Woman Project. And in that... Uh, oh, wow. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've shared it in the past, but I, I told her that I want to bring her back on the show. I want to bring her on the show to actually, like, read it because it's really insightful. But one thing she talked about in there was about the Maria Clara archetype. And so, Angelica, would you uh, would you indulge us and <laughs> ex- explain the Maria Clara archetype and how you are almost the embodiment of the Maria Clara archetype?
0: Yeah, so my first encounter with that is through Jose Rizal's famous novel, Noli Me Tangere, or mm-hmm. Touch Me Not. And it comes from the the character Maria Clara, who is supposed to be the love interest of the hero protagonist, Cristobal Ibarra. From what I gathered when I read the novel, she's off, she's, most of her, the focus was on her physical appearance, that she's beautiful. She's very kind of like angelic, saint-like presence. Mm -hmm. And based on her behavior, she's very docile, quiet, and, you know, kind of reserved so almost kind of like a kind of like a statue that you would see in the museum like all marble everyone just looks at her like a spectacle and the one thing that kind of bothered me about the way she was described well this is a whole conversation i could have about it but basically she's just there for spectacle she doesn't have a lot of speaking parts and whenever she does it's usually to serve the purpose of the protagonist just to drive the plot along. Like, you know, I can do a whole literary analysis of it and that's what I wanted. <laughs> actually, yeah. a future study. But basically, the Marie Clara archetype kind of became this thing where this is what the ideal Filipino woman should be. Is very mannerly, is quiet, is very humble in the most like pious way. And you know, just you know, what we would call the good girl, basically. And you know that was something that I had to kind of embody when I was growing up. It was something that would appease older adults if I be- behaved or act in a certain way. And as well as showing that my parents have trained me well to be more respectable to others and, you know, not to act out in things. And also to quote unquote, set an example for peers and younger kids. But even like trying to like embody that ideal it was very draining and i felt like i wasn't being my true self and whenever i see people my age kind of going the opposite direction like they're not uh being maria clara archetypes they i was i was actually jealous of them because you know they get to do whatever they wanted to do and you know creating fun memories for themselves and here i was just you know trying to be statuesque because that was Mm -hmm. what Expected of me as a Filipina.
1: Wow, I'm like speechless. (laughs) It's uh, Nani, is there anything anything you wanna say? Yeah, I mean, I think that
2: that is another reason or purpose for this project and this podcast as a whole is there's a serious lack of reference, (laughs) you know, because while I've heard so many people talk about Maria Clara and this exact issue with how she portrays what we're supposed to look and feel and smell like. And there's just, there's no other options to look at, which is why we're all talking about this. Right. But again, a need or another reason for us to all want to kind of open up and and share our stories so that we can kind of change that narrative and stereotype, because that's the only way really at this point that it's going to happen.
1: Alright, Jen Amos here jumping into the middle of our show as I always do to remind you why this show is possible. So, you know at the end of every episode I tend to say, if you didn't catch our guest contact info, don't worry, we'll have those in the show notes. Check them out. I work so hard on them. You're welcome. Well, it's been brought to my attention that our show notes are not as easy to find as I thought, which is why starting summer 2020, the Filipino American Women Project is proud to be partnering with Captivate, the world's only growth-oriented podcast host. Captivate is created for independent podcasters, designed from day one to help you to focus on audience growth and the expansion of your audio influence. One way that Captivate makes our lives easier as independent podcasters is by taking the guesswork out of making a website for your show. That's right, a website for your show. So listeners, starting summer twenty twenty, Finding our show notes will be so much easier, all thanks to Captivate. You're welcome, as always. If you're about to start podcasting or are getting burnt out from all the extra work of producing one, like building a website, consider a seven-day free trial, that's right, free, with Captivate by visiting thephilamwoman.com. That's the philam, short for Filipino American, woman.com. Or, you know, check out our show notes in the meantime, which is in the details section of each episode. Once again, you can visit thefillonwoman.com or visit the details section of this episode. Yeah. Yeah, even for myself, I am still learning about it. And it's interesting because growing up, I somehow knew deep down that I was being rebellious. You know, I was pretty outspoken growing up. And I I was rebellious to be rebellious. Like I was, you know, I, I started growing up being different just to be different, not because mm-hmm. it was really who I was. But I, I, I didn't realize this entire time I was trying to rebel against mm-hmm. what my family was trying to portray, which is this Maria Clara archetype. I think about my female relatives who are just very obedient and quiet and generally respectfully mm-hmm. submissive. And for a long time, I never felt like I fit in, uh, with my family. And that was a big, that caused a big strain with, um, with my relationship to my relatives and, and everything. And even, you know, I remember, I remember before, actually, I just, I remember, uh, I had, I had a client like years ago and he, you know, he was Filipino and he was, he was, uh, you know, he hired me. And I remember I was speaking up to him and he said, mm-hmm you need to respect me, (laughs) you know?
0: know. Uh,
1: Yeah. And uh, I mean, that ended as soon as he said that I was like, Hey, we are done. But it was just interesting how there was this expectation of like, I have to submit to my male counterparts or anyone much older than me. So Mm -hmm. I, I think it's, it's and I, I think for anyone who has felt like their life has been an uphill battle or trying to you know, just rebel. Uh, I think it's because of this Maria Clara archetype. And I think it's important to create more awareness of it and uh, see it as a way of like, oh, this is why I am this way. But that, that was, you know, the reason why Jose Rizal and, 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 and both of you can correct me if I'm wrong was that the Americans that picked Jose Rizal as the national hero over Andres Bonifacio, because Jose Rizal, he was a role model to, you know, like get an education and uh, to be a good citizen where Andres Bonifacio, mm-hmm. he was very aggressive and and he was about like the people power and it just wasn't like a good example that they wanted for um, the Filipino citizens. Did I get that right? Does anyone know?
0: It's <laughs> actually I my don't first know. Time hearing about it. It made me question why Jose Rizal was even picked to be the Philippine national hero, like under what criteria? And, you know, given his history that he is uh, of the illustratos or kind of like from the affluent families in the Philippines that send their sons to Europe for Mm -hmm. education, it kind of made me curious as to why he has more of like the higher pedestal than any other public figure in the Philippines that are just as admirable.
1: yeah. Yeah. So from what I recall from college, because I I used to go, I went to, I graduated from San Diego State in San Diego and Mm -hmm. our Filipino organization there was called Andres Bonifacio Samahan or Mm AB Samahan for short. And we were based off of Andres Bonifacio who, you know, fought for the people, fought, fought for the commoner. And so I do recall a, uh, I do, I do recall like something about Jose Rizal being considered the national hero, because they, they wanted uh, people to, you know, get an education, they they glorified Europeans and, and the white culture, yeah. um, hence the colonial mentality. And I mm-hmm. believe he was mixed as well. Like he was a mestizo, from what I recall, yeah. someone totally like leave a message and tell me if I'm right or wrong. But, um, and so I think, you know, having him as that example, if you think about that, it's like, and then how he wrote this book yeah it, it makes a lot of sense a lot of us yeah. think we're like why we all wonder or think we're messed up because mm-hmm.
0: like oh yeah oh and the interesting thing about the novel it was written in spanish and like mm-hmm. when you consider how many people in the philippines are literate in spanish it's really not that many so it makes you question mm-hmm. who even who even was able to read this novel and right. you know make it like oh this is the revolutionary thing that will free the filipino peoples is like how most they don't even teach spanish to mm-hmm. many filipinos back in that time so only a very select few could even vote on that that he's the the hero that we all seek for i mean it's not it's not like i'm trying to talk smack about his legacy but it's really important to be critical about how we approach literature and public figures and how much it means to us as filipinos like mm-hmm. where are we placing our pride in basically right yeah
1: i, I it's interesting i was uh, interviewing jamie jamie wins formerly known as jamie joaquin and she was uh, in the last episode episode six i think I have to double check Hey, everyone, I am jumping in to correct myself once again. If you want to listen to Jamie Wins, formerly known as Jamie Joaquin, she was episode seven on our uh, show. All right, let's get back in. She was a a Filipina model uh, and celebrity in the Philippines. And in her time, like in her 20s, she was really difficult for her to make it in. uh, She chose not to do pageantry, for example, because they idealized um, Mestika's jumping back in again to say that i was saying mestizas not mosquitoes okay and they idealize like taller women they didn't they in the philippines they didn't even want the actual filipina you know to to represent them and so it's just so interesting you know even nowadays it's it's still you know you're still kind of considered uh, above like the the filipino if you're if you're mixed so so, yeah. so Nani, okay. <laughs> Nani being half, <laughs> half mm-hmm. <Filipino> <laughs> over here. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that that's that's my thoughts on it. And yeah, I, I definitely mm-hmm. think that this uh, opens a conversation for this this opens up for more discussion, I think, in a, in a future episode. And so if anyone's listening and is fascinated by the Maria Clara archetype, and as as well as learning more about Jose Rizal and why he was chosen as a national hero, or if you had any thoughts around overall, we'd love to have you call in and share your thoughts uh, for a chance for you to be uh, featured in, in the next episode where we discuss this more. And I, I think it'd be a great opportunity to bring you back on, Angelica, to talk about it
0: uh, in a future episode
1: um, yes so. I'm so
0: passionate about literature like you can't even imagine <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I love it yeah when I when when you mentioned that you were a writer, I was like, oh this is gonna be fun because she is <laughs> so like I, I I know that she's very um, knowledgeable about these things and mm-hmm. you know if you're, if you're gonna be someone that's gonna write a memoir, it's uh, which by the way, uh, I just remembered this. Um, when I first started this project, I was trying to find books in in the San Diego Public Library. Uh, about Filipino American women. And Mm -hmm. the only one I had found was a memoir from a Filipino American woman who was a nurse in World War II. And Mm -hmm. as we know, that was, I'm gonna have to find that book again, but that was that was decades ago, and it's amazing really? how we haven't had anything like that ever since. And so, uh, I think what you want to do is, is really it's really honor- honorable and exciting. And I want to follow your journey yeah. as you as you do that.
0: It's also why I started get philam because growing up I didn't have much exposure to authors or books that were that were about us basically. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until like my second to last semester in college that I took a class called Filipino American Literature, and it was taught by Luis H. Francia, who is a Philippine-based poet, editor, Manong of letters. And he just exposed me to all these writers and books that talked about what it's like to be Filipino. And it kind of dawned on me that it took me 21 years to even consider that, find that. you know we could be writers and even get published. And so from there, it just became this whole mission and journey to find other works and other authors that are talking about our lives, basically. Because mm-hmm. you know, if you know about the literary canon, you don't get a lot of Filipino authors in there or even their works. And it kind of makes you question, well, are our stories that boring or are we not significant enough? But there are actually people out there who look like us and who have experienced similar upbringings like us and, mm-hmm. you know, putting it into story. And, you know, through Get Let Fil-Am, that's what I want to expose others to that, you know, may not know about these works or even consider themselves as storytellers. But there is a growing literature and uh, many authors that are pursuing this type of thing. And that's what I'm hoping for my project to go forward. And also what you're doing with the Philippine American Women Project is just allowing us to be the authors of our own stories. Yes, that's right.
1: And I just, it just dawned to me uh, what Get Lit Fam means. Lit is literary. <laughs> I just got that. Yeah. Um, so, so wait. All right. Well, <laughs> all right. So I, I do, uh, I do have one more question I want to ask before we wrap up. Uh, This is my favorite question, which usually wraps up this episode, and it's about sharing a life lesson and a story of your life that led up to that life lesson. And so Angelica, you had mentioned that the biggest life lesson you've learned is to choose to live. Now, I I can interpret that one way, but I would love to hear why you have chosen that as your life lesson and what aspect of your life led you to live that live that truth
0: so i mentioned how trying to embody the marie clara type is very unfulfilling and draining and it's not really living a life like based mm-hmm. on my own terms what kind of led me to that lesson was coming back to my older brother being the older sibling trying to take care of the younger sibling he always encouraged me to be more independent and you know kind of gave us my, give myself a break and that was something that i I couldn't even fathom at a young age, but it wasn't until like coming into my twenties um so i'm gonna trying to like not to cry right now oh <laughs> um your time you got this yeah, so um. So in like uh, 2015, so after this is like a few months after I graduated from college, um, my family and I, we traveled to the Philippines to visit relatives and, you know, having a family reunion. And then my mom, she actually celebrated her birthday in the yeah. Philippines. And that was like the first time in 30 years since moving to the U.S. that she was able to celebrate her birthday with her siblings and um oh, that's nice. so that was like a weekend where it was just jovial and heartwarming family time yeah. and then in the the weekend after the weekend my my older brother he he suddenly went into cardiac arrest and you know we were staying at a a hotel in Legazpi city uh we had two separate rooms and we we were told by the the staff that my brother collapsed and he mm-hmm. had to be rushed to the hospital but he was pronounced DOA so he he had already passed by the time he got to the ER wow. and that wow, was the, that was the worst day of my life like it was yeah. like half of myself had died with him mm. and you know it was it took it took time for that to set in so like in the following days, we were just constantly surrounded by our relatives. And it wasn't until we came back to the States, like my parents and I, that it really hit. And, you know, from then I, I couldn't really function like a normal human person. You know, from there, like through the grieving process and trying to heal from the tra- the traumatic experience, it was like a constant struggle between what is the purpose of living if my loved one is no longer around mm-hmm. um, it's also like trying to honor them in a way like you know my brother he you know this is a what a lot of people would say about their loved ones who have passed but they were full of life like they enjoyed life they found pleasures and excitement in the things that they loved my brother he was an avid Lego collector. He loved playing computer games. He, lo- he was a foodie as well. So he mm-hmm. loved going to restaurants, especially in New York City. And basically, like, most of my personality it was formed because of him. Like, I got into reading and watching movies and all basically kind of be a geek in a way. Because mm-hmm. he was a huge geek as well. That life lesson was choosing to live. And it it can be interpreted in different ways, like, you know, choosing to live for my brother to experience life in whatever way I can that, you know, he would enjoy it if he were still around, even living on by my own terms, instead of trying to uphold a certain ideal that everyone else has set forth, why don't I try to consider what makes me happy? What gives me joy. And there were all these uh, things that led me to be active in that decision. The biggest thing was raise Mm Pinai. And yeah, so, and this was in 2016. So, like the following year after he, my brother passed away, I joined this group of Pinai identified women that wanted to put on a production where we would each tell our own personal story because there hasn't been something like that for a long time mm-hmm. so it's kind of like the vagina monologues but all Filipinas yes. and, yeah yeah <laughs> and so they, well, that was the beginning and you know we were just sharing our personal stories about what it's like to grow up Pinay and what does it mean to come to terms with our own womenhood and from there it was It's kinda weird to call it a production. Like I know those on quote unquote outside, it's a production, but like for us that are that were part of it, we call it a sisterhood because during our rehearsals and gatherings, we would just share our stories and I had no idea it was gonna be Such a healing process. Like it was Mm -hmm. a very messy healing process. Like there was definitely a lot of crying, Mm -hmm. but there was also laughter, and it was basically letting out all the things that we had to bottle up because of Mm -hmm. that's how we were all raised, like to bottle up our emotions. And she just entered into a space with these caring, supportive canines, and just letting it all out, and knowing that we comfort each other and saying like. It's okay to feel this way, and mm-hmm. I'm here for you, sis. That was mm-hmm. that was what I needed. Uh, not just just for my grieving over my brother's death, but for even like my whole life as a Filipino woman. And you know, from there, it was that was when the life lesson choosing to live really became the adamant mission.
1: Mm-hmm. So, that's yeah. beautiful, and and yeah. everything that you're saying, I. I felt it watching Ray's Panay and it was a, so my my mom and I, we were sitting at the very front row and the, you know, the, the actors were probably like a yard away from us. They were that close mm-hmm. to us. And I loved how at the beginning uh, and even during before, like at the end of each skit, they would uh, inhale so deeply and exhale, you know, fully. Yeah. Deeply and, deeply. and I felt that I felt when, they were really pouring their heart out to these strangers watching them. Uh, mm-hmm. At the same time, I could tell it was—it looked so healing, and I, I loved it. Uh, Nani, if you ever have a chance, I highly recommend you. <laughs> I know. I was Netflix. just gonna say, I wish I saw this.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: I—I I was telling my sister it would be—I I, in the future, if I when I have the time, I would love to try to bring Ray's Panay to Virginia Beach, where I live
0: because
1: mm-hmm. it's a, there's a big, not that I, I haven't been acquainted with the community here yet, because I just I just moved a couple months ago, but I, mm-hmm. I know there's a big Filipino population here uh, because of the Navy base. And mm-hmm. I think it would be really awesome to bring something like that here and as very inspired by it and moved by it. And, and I felt like I found healing in my own way also, and to watch it with my mom right next to me. It's one thing for me as an audience member to have felt that but it, I, I can only imagine how transformative it was for you. And so I, I think it's awesome that you went through that experience, especially after uh, the loss of your brother.
0: Yeah, like I have to give shout out to JL, Justine, and Rochelle for even conceiving the idea and like giving us a space where it's okay for other Filipino women to gather, and it doesn't have to feel like a I don't know if like how to articulate it, but kind of like a hostile environment, like it, would, it definitely wasn't like that. Like I'm in my past experience when gathering with other Filipinas, it was kind of, it almost felt like an uncomfortable space where it's usually just chismas or trying to compete about who has the better like talent or beauty or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, you know, it's being a very
2: competitive nature.
0: Yeah, like I've never. That's why I was kind of like taken aback when I joined and I was almost expecting that kind of um, atmosphere, but it was the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. There, the sisters were so warm and welcoming, and they they genuinely wanted to listen to like my story and someone else's story it just became this exciting gathering where we could just be ourselves. And for me, that was like a huge transformation that, you know, I, so there are other Filipina women that I can talk to and not feel like I have to put up a pretense. I could just be myself and they welcome that. And I try to put out that energy as well, that I want to listen to you. What do you want to say? How do you feel? So it's just, You know, whatever you put out there, you're going to receive it back. And, you know, that's also another lesson I learned with the Raised Pinai. And I can imagine how the second and third generation of Raised Pinais have felt that energy as well, and Mm -hmm. definitely a huge healing experience for them.
1: Ah, that's that's beautiful.
0: (laughs) I mean, I just wanted to say that I think
2: as Filipinas, we all have some kind of innate desire to connect And to be together with each other. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very, it's contradicting because just like you said, you're used to being around groups of Filipinas that are competitive or, you know, they're judging you or talking about you. And that's kind of what you expect walking into that kind of environment. And Mm -hmm. I think if we can all just be a little more vulnerable or open with each other and Mm -hmm. just be honest, like, no, I'm not okay. Yes, I would love to talk, like, just being honest with each other when we need help and just seeing how supportive we can really be for each other instead of yeah, trying definitely. to play some kind of
0: tit-for-tat game, you know? Mm-hmm. Most definitely. We all need sisterhood. Absolutely. I,
1: I completely agree with both of you. Part of, part of the reason why I started this project is because in middle school, I was uh, I had a Filipina Filipinas as my best friends uh in in sixth grade and then when we went to middle school it completely changed and i was actually bullied by filipinas when i was really young and i even got into like a, yeah and i even got into a fist fight with one of my <laughs> freshman year with a child with one oh, of my wow. childhood girlfriends yeah i'm gonna say i'm gonna say i won for the record another side of the story so <laughs> that's okay <laughs> yeah Unless she's willing to listen to the show and give her perspective, <laughs> I won that fight. <laughs> um, we'll we'll just but, go with that. <laughs> yeah, but more more importantly, I had been a self loathing Filipina for a very long time, and even when I uh, went to college uh, and started pre- like learning more about the culture, I was in and out of it up until mm-hmm. a couple years ago, twenty sixteen, when I wanted to rewrite my story. I, I got to this place where I was like, I, I need to stop, like I need to find a way to re- rewrite like why yeah. I hate myself so much. Like I I have to <laughs> believe, like I have to believe there are other women like me that want to uplift one another and love one another. And it, it was just, I mean, you're right. It's it's like what you put out there will come back because once I started the project, I had a lot of mothers that were really like uh, Filipina mothers that were really interested in sharing their story. And, you know, really the first year of the project was just extremely uh, nurturing and healing for me. And, mm-hmm. and I just want to keep that going. And, and, uh, and I, and I also believe, though, in, in a larger cultural landscape in America, I, I think, I think women are really banding together now. I I think uh, mm-hmm. I was just listening to um, this music video from Anna Onakana, Anna, Anna Onakana, I think that's her name. Okay, last time I'm going to cut myself off to correct myself. I was referring to Anna Akana with her newest music video on YouTube called Pretty Girls Don't Cry. Okay. But she there's a lyric in there that says, um, you know, real queens help other queens fix their crown. And mm. I think that's so beautiful. And then even, even um, Taylor Swift's music video, You Need to Calm Down, there's a lyric in there that says... Um, you know we see what you're doing on the internet uh com- you know comparing all the women who are killing it but we figured you out we all have crowns you need to calm down mm-hmm. and i just i just feel like there's this cultural like la- like shift in the way that women are treating each other and Thank i just you. have to say i love it <laughs> i love it so yeah. much and i'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm
2: thankful just- for it
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly uh, well, I can't believe we have been talking for an hour, ladies. I, I feel like we've had mm-hmm. such a amazing conversation, and I don't think this will be the last. I I want to go ahead and uh, see Angelica if you had any closing thoughts for us before we wrap up.
0: So I mentioned in your questionnaire that I was working towards getting my license. So two days ago, I had my road test and I passed. So ah. I'm now ah. a licensed driver. Congratulations. Yeah, so that's my closing Um, pot. I'm really happy though. So you have your driver's license, right? That's what, So like, I can, I don't know. I feel like it gives me a little more freedom because now I can, you know, take one more step towards being independent in a way that my brother had encouraged me to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, you know, kind of carry on his legacy of being a foodie. So like traveling to different cafes, restaurants, and just you know finding little pleasures in life, um, Mm -hmm. but not trying to gain weight from it. (laughs) (laughs) check my health. Well, good luck with that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, um, but you know, I you know I couldn't imagine how things would turn out by now. But you know, I can't imagine how things would have been different if all these things didn't happen. Like you know, it did teach me. A lot uh, about myself and to really figure out what really matters in my life and I'm just so blessed to come across incredible people who are supportive and uplifting like from Mm -hmm. my parents to Grace Panay, to you know the friends that I hold close to me and to other Filipino women like Jen and Nani and anyone else that's listening like I'm so grateful to be you know having this opportunity to share my story and my life so thank you so much
1: we are honored and this is this is a this helps us too you know and so i just want to thank you so much uh you have a a lot of ways people can get a hold of you which i will include in the show notes but why don't you tell people what's your favorite way to get contacted if they wanted to uh, connect with you
0: I'm more active on Instagram, so my handle is Pinay Killjoy. P i n a y k i l l j o y. Um, It's on private, but you know, most of the time, I will accept the the request and follow back. Yes,
1: and before I had requested to be your friend on Instagram, mm-hmm. I saw that your blog link is public. So if anyone uh, is afraid to add you for some reason, you can check her check her blog out as well. It's it's available there in her uh, Instagram account. Well, Angelica, it's been an absolute pleasure to hear your story and learn from you and talk about the Maria Clara archetype, amongst other things like Jose Rizal and philam literature. I just want to thank you so much for your willingness to, to do, you know, to come forward and share your story and share your insights. Uh, Nani, any closing thoughts for you? Um, Just that
2: through the stories that you've shared with us today, Angelica, I want to just commend you again on being so resilient and making so much traction or gaining so much traction after kind of a series of bad events had happened in your life. And, just keep going and we're here. If you need anything, you can always reach out. And that goes for anyone else listening as well. So yeah, thank you for sharing.
0: Thank you so much. And like I'm very, yeah. I'm very blessed to like speak to you guys about this. Thank you so much.
2: Absolutely. We're blessed to speak to you as well. <laughs>
1: All right, everyone. Once again, if you are interested in getting in touch with Angelica, you can check out our show notes. You will have her contact information there. If you want to add to the conversation, you can actually leave us a voice message that will also be in the show notes. You can DM us on Instagram. Uh, there's a lot of ways to get a hold of us, but we will, if anything, we're just encouraging you to uh, get involved and communicate with us and be part of the conversation. So thank you both so much. Thank you, Nani. Thank you, Angelica. And We will all talk to you next time on the next episode. Take care. Bye, everyone. Bye. And there you have it, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe if you'd like to hear more stories and life lessons told by the Filipino American woman. If you're interested in sharing your story, please contact us at the Filipino American woman at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at the Filipino American woman. Until next time.
0: This episode is dedicated to Michaela, John Paul, Moresca, and Nahe. May the force be with you.
1: I love that. Beautiful. <laughs> Can we add That's some clapping? So <laughs> clapping. <laughs> All right.